Welcome to episode 199B of No Challenges Remaining. I am Ben Rothenberg, joined this week by Ricky Diamond, who is here in Washington, D.C. after finishing his second Marine Corps marathon on Sunday. Ricky, congratulations on the marathon. You were on the show last year after your marathon. How did this uh, this time compare to your previous experience and also to Caroline Wozniacki's previous experience? <laughs> uh, it was pretty similar, actually. Um, got super tough around mile 20, 21 in that range. Uh, and obviously it was tough the rest of the way. Um, fortunately, I didn't cramp this year. Last year, I cramped uh, with the finish line in sight and had to stop and guzzle water until the cramps went away and I could limp across the finish line. Uh, so this year, fortunately, I at least didn't have to stop. Um, but my time was still pretty similar, like in the 340 range. So yeah. uh, nowhere near as good as Wozniacki. Wozniacki also had her famous cramping episode in Doha that one time. You remember when <laughs> yeah, she was like, writhing around and collapsing <laughs> yeah. the ground so, so she so she can feel your pain it's a distance runner kind yeah, of thing i guess although she didn't have that in her race yeah so we're going to talk about atp mostly on this show we did i did a show recording last week and it was more wta heavy unsurprisingly it did talk a fair amount of atp but we want to get more into it with you here uh wta finals are going on in singapore this week obviously it's the biggest tournament of the week but we're going to look ahead a bit to the men's finals because we don't know when else we'll get a chance to do this uh currently the men are in Vienna and Basel this week at two five hundred events. They will finish their regular season in next week in Paris, Bercy, and then go to London or then go to Milan. The, the kids will, and then go to London. Let's just talk big picture before we get to the race itself. What has been your take? We talked about it on the show last week about it's just sort of how weird and mostly bad we think this ATP season has been. Yeah. What kind of words did you use to describe this ATP season so far? As it's almost done. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been pretty interesting. Obviously, if if you're a Federer fan, it's been awesome. If uh, if you if you're a Nadal fan, it's been awesome. Although not quite as awesome as if you're a Federer fan. And then for let's, let's stop you there. I'll stop you there, yeah. and we'll get to the rest. Why yeah. do you think it's been much better? We agree, we said this on the show too. Right. If we think Federer's had a markedly better year and would be the player of the year. Right. Over Nadal. Why do you why do you think that too? Well, I think most glaring. Because Nadal is number one and pretty far ahead in the race right now. Most glaring is. Of course, the five and zero head to head. Yeah, I mean that's that's huge, uh, and you know, out of the norm in their head to head rivalry. And obviously, Fed missed the whole clay court swing, and he's and even missing the whole clay court swing, he's still in contention. To and you don't count one. that against him. I've seen people saying, "Oh, he shouldn't be player of the year because he skipped a whole part of the year." No, I don't. No, I don't no, count that. I think no. anything, it's more impressive that he's able to win as much missing. Oh yeah, two months. I think it's more impressive that he's yeah. still in contention for number one despite missing a whole season, <laughs> whole, a whole part of the season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would agree with so, that. Okay, so that's 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 Federer at all. Yeah. Overall, though, rest rest of the tour, big picture. You said it's good if you're a fan of those two guys. If you're a fan of anybody else, yeah. What do you? Think? I mean, in general, it's been you know it's been a tough year with all the injuries. As we were talking about um, off the air a couple minutes ago, like eight guys who are still in the top twenty-five of the race are out for the year. Yeah, and a lot of those eight guys have been out for the year for a long time. Yeah, um, you know, Djokovic and Murray were number one and two last year. Like as as easy as Federer and Nadal are number one and two this year, and. Djokovic and Murray are gone. Yeah. You know, they've been gone for months. Warenka, um, Raonic, all those guys. Uh, Burdich is hurt now. So the, Yeah, we can the, just... Let's reel off the eight guys okay, who are yeah. in the top 25 who yeah. who are out for the year already. So Djokovic, Murray, Vavrinka, Burdich, Kyrgios, 
Nishikori, Ronich, and Gilles Muller is also yeah. number 25 in the race right, as of right now. Yeah. So it's a lot of people. And, like, these are relevant names. These are guys who have made big impacts oh, this yeah, year sure. or, or last year at least and who are now really falling. So it's, it's just a weird situation, and it's a bit of a flip. It will be a bit of a flip for next year. We'll get to next year a little bit later. But going into the Australian Open, for example, it's a total script flip for the big four. Where last year, Djokovic and Murray were uh, the number one and two seeds, and Federer and Nadal were floaters ranked lower than they had been in years and years. Mm-hmm. And now, next year, it's going to be Federer and Nadal at one and right. two, and Djokovic and Murray ranked lower than they have been in years and years. It's, I mean, and they both look, seem to be on track to come back in Australia. I yeah. don't think any of these guys are really probably going to have injuries that extend past no. the end of the year, so that'll be no, good. So it'll so. be, yeah. theoretically, looks like the tour will be back at full strength yeah. at the start of next year. Um, We'll get to this race to London. So six of the spots are already clinched. A couple of them got clinched pretty recently. Uh, but Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, uh, Sasha Zverev, Dominic Thiem, uh, Grigor Dimitrov, and now Chilich are the first six who are all in. And then uh, the last two spots are going to likely come down to a combination of, well, Vavrinka's in seventh in the race, but he's already out for the year. Uh, Goffin and Karenio Busta are next. And then... Novak Djokovic is after that, but he's out for the year. And then comes Sam Querrey, who's not really too far behind the other two guys. And then after Querrey comes a bit of a... Oh, then Kevin Anderson's decently close to Sam Querrey. And then comes uh, Andy Murray, who's out. And Del Potro is there next. And then Songa. And it's likely to be someone from that set. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bercy, if someone someone kind of in that lower tier, like a Schwartzman, or somebody goes on and wins Bercy, and maybe one of these 500s next week, they could leapfrog right. into yeah. that pretty easily because it's pretty closely packed but overall that's going to be it so who, who are you uh who are you hoping makes it or who do you think deserves if you can use that word a Ooh. shot at, at the top eight Ooh, much different question there okay well let's start, we'll start, De- let's start let's start with let's start with deserves and then who you hope deserves probably go because he's like he missed a big portion of the season and he's still in it although yeah. the same goes for cranio Busta too yeah but i feel like and same goes for Kevin Anderson, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but I, you know, I feel like Goffin would be less of like a fluke, so to speak, if he makes it. Yeah, because obviously he actually played a match there last year as an alternate. That's right. Um, yeah, he came in from office and got destroyed by Djokovic. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's had just another you know super solid year despite that freak injury at the French Open. Otherwise, I think he, you know, he'd definitely have already qualified for sure. So um, I'm hoping he gets one, and then. I mean, Anderson with the U.S. Open final, even though he had a real easy draw there, you know, probably makes him deserving of it. Yeah. Um, obviously, everyone's kind of hoping that Del Potro makes it, but he's... I don't yeah, know he, I think fa- he's like maybe 16, but he's pretty yeah, he's well got, back. Yeah, he's, he's a good well back. back. He has to win either Basel or Paris to yeah. put himself in serious contention. But I'm sure, you know, that's who everyone... Yeah. In terms of star power, that's who everyone wants to Definitely. be there. Definitely, and I would say the opposite. I would say the one who doesn't seem to make any sense to me with no nothing personal intended towards Pablo Cranio Busta. Right, yeah. I just don't I think he'd be it'd be hard to see what he added to that field right. in London. And he hasn't had any good really big wins this whole year. Right, I'm sure. I assume he's never beaten any of like the top four. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, yeah. I just don't think he would be competitive. No. I mean he he would be like would create serviceable rallies. But I was thinking right. I was thinking this a lot during the US Open. I really hoped just from a pure tennis point of view and he's a very nice guy. I have nothing and I don't hate his game or anything. I just think it's unspectacular. Um I think that he would would have made a really boring file against Nadal. I think that would have been a really boring matchup for Nadal to just overpower. I thought Anderson was going to make a more interesting final than Carreño oh, right. when it came yeah. down to that semifinal. Yeah. Um, and Anderson wasn't a great semifinal final, but I imagine Carreño could have been worse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's, it's it's interesting sort of setup there. Um, how about we didn't look at this, but how about doubles? 
Are you? I know you're, you're, you follow doubles close, more closely than most guys. Yeah, I mean, I think. How do you think? How do you feel about it? It's pretty. Uh, it's kind of the normal cast of characters, I think, other than uh, Harrison and Venus, who kind of won the French Open out of nowhere, and then I think reached the Wimbledon quarterfinals right after that. Um, Has men's doubles stabilized? Because I feel like it's been kind of in flux for several years now, with like no one really yeah. coming anywhere near dominating. It feels like it's still been a pretty wild assortment of of champions. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the partnerships are kind of like stabilizing like remember a couple years ago like guys would like other than the brian brothers like guys would be switching partners like all the time yeah but now we you know cotton and peers have found their groove um you know roger and Takao, obviously they're back in it after winning the world tour finals a couple years ago um so you know the teams have kind of stabilized and it's kind of like obviously there's no dominant team but like one through five or six or so you know they're kind of always the six teams that are battling out for number one over the last few years and i've been very glad to see harrison and venus once they won their slam like stick to playing together yeah and like make sure they locked up this london spot because it really annoys me when teams notably team notably possible and stock like (laughs) one wimbledon and then like just played separate schedules for no reason and just didn't play and got and then did play in bear and like tried to sneak in the last second but just sort of like too casual about it and there was a, right. another slam winner they needed you know. they came down to the last match they got to the final and yeah lost to i think dotage and uh mellow and dotage at the yeah. time yeah if they yeah. won that but so i just like seeing guys take because i think london yeah. and for ryan harrison certainly for michael venus that's oh, yeah. a career feat to oh, have sure. this year and to make the most of that is, is pretty yeah. pretty good although they it's, have been a disaster the last few months <laughs> but <laughs> they were okay after like the immediate, immediate aftermath right like weren't they okay in the u.s or no uh, I don't think they did much. No, I mean they followed up the I French with a Wimbledon quarter, closely. but they haven't. Wimbledon no, quarter, that's what I remember. I remember yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But since then, they haven't done much. Okay. So last week on the show, we went over the WTA ballot for the year-end awards. This week, we're going over the ATP ballot. It's actually already closed, and I realized just as I was pulling it up that I missed the deadline. I did not vote, so <laughs> oh well. But also, I was pretty confused on who to vote for for a lot of these awards, so I don't entirely mind abstaining. We'll just pretend it was intentional. The awards are pretty tough, and I think the most loaded category, which we'll start with first, is this um, most improved player of the year category. And this is a loaded one, and there's a lot of nominees also, um, which I don't blame them for. There's too many nominees, but also there's a lot of decent candidates in here. So they are Pablo Carreño Busta who went from a ranking of, as of early October rankings, these are of, so beginning, of the rankings I'm going to give you for this are beginning of the year and then early October. So it's on the ballot. Pablo Carreño Busta went from 30 to number 10. Demir Jumer went from 77 to 36, and probably a little higher because he just won Moscow yeah. last week. Uh, Peter Goyovchik went from 190 to 68. Andre Rublev went from 156 to 39. Diego Schwartzman went from 52 to 29, and he might, again, be a little higher because he made an Antwerp final last week. Dennis Shapovalov went from, and by the way, shout out to uh, Tom Tebu, who corrected my Shapovalov pronunciation from last week, so thank you, Tom, for your diligent listening. Went from 250 to 51 for Shapovalov, so that's pretty massive. Uh, Yuichi Sugita went from 112 to 40. Alexander Zverev, aka Sasha, went from 24 to 4. And Misha Zverev went from 51 to 27. And you can also write in people. And also there's another they note, there's a, another award called ATP Star of Tomorrow, which goes to the youngest player in the year-end top 100, which will almost certainly be Shapovalov. So he's going to get that award anyway. So if that makes you not as likely to give him a tight contest elsewhere, so be it. Ricky, who do you think is the ATP most improved player of the year? Any ATP lets you vote for a top three if you want to, but just stick to, just stick to one pick if you can. 
Well, yeah, like you, I agree. This is definitely a loaded category. A lot of a lot of impressive names who, you know, the guys who aren't going to win this year would, you know, would be a very yeah likely all to be win worthy like winners, any other yeah. year. Yeah, I'm going with the younger Zverev. Obviously, he didn't make the biggest rankings jump because he was already ranked so high going into this year. But it's harder to move up when you're all that high, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not like you know you can't really take that into account. But I mean, two Masters, one thousands. Obviously, he didn't do much at the slams, which kind of hurts him. But, you know, he got into the top four in the world, albeit, you know, partly because Murray and Djokovic and those guys are hurt. Yeah, um, but, but I mean, he did win his Masters finals right, yeah. over Djokovic and Federer. Yeah, exactly. So he didn't vulture shit. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, just his arrival, like, you know, kind of that's at the top of the game, which people probably expected was one or two more years away maybe one more year away um i think he would get my vote if i had a vote um but it would definitely be tough i think uh zoomer or however you say it zoomer the guy who was watching the commentator <laughs> doing the, we watched the moscow final last night they were saying jumor or something yeah which is yeah. jumor i think that's actually probably closer to right but yeah yeah um, anyway so zoomer um would probably be number two for me i think um, it's hard to say. And then, man, uh, I don't know. I mean, Carreño Boost is in the mix. Yeah. Um, man, my vote, it's tough. My I vote think. would actually, I think, go to Yuichi Sugita. Just because I think Sugita, for me, fits the definition of this award, which is how I, which for improved. I don't want to, I don't like thinking of it most as like a guy who's like a young guy and just rising kind of as yeah. expected if a little ahead of schedule which is what yeah, i think Zverev yeah. is who is always picked to be a future top player yeah but sugita is somebody who i think was a little bit of a known quantity on tour mm-hmm. who like way outpaced his previous expectations right and so that's sort of what i would award in a little bit of the same way that you might give it to like amisha Zverev, who i think right. did a similar thing I, there's you can make a case for a lot of these guys i would probably vote for sugita but like there's no real bad picks i can't imagine gogovchik wins it no. um but otherwise <laughs> Um, and Rublev had a, Rublev could get it too. I mean, Rublev one fifty six to thirty nine. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean and, the thing about but, he, but he's similar to Zverev in that he's a former junior standout who everyone thought would be good. Someday. Right, and Shapovalov too. Yeah, exactly. and I think and I feel like the thing like with Shapovalov and Rublev, like big reason for their ranking jump or like their ranking jump, like all came like at like one or two tournaments. Yeah. Like Shapovalov, it was like the span of like one month. He just skyrocketed. Rublev won the tournament as a lucky loser and then got to. U.S. Open quarters, um, so like all of a sudden, like he shot up. Yeah. Whereas like a couple of uh, these other guys have had like sustained sustains yeah. success like the whole season. And Misha Zverev, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that makes them a little bit more worthy. And Carreno, Carreno, I don't. I mean, again, with Carreno, I said the same sort of thing about him with the Tour Finals, and this is not. I really have no anti-Carreno, you know, bias that I think right. will be long lasting in my life. I have no reason to, but I just think that I just haven't been. He just seems like he is the one who feels like has been vulturing. Who's been like sort of taking advantage of softer draws that have opened up for him right. and sort been opportunistic yeah. for sure. U.S. Open, he made an Indian Wells semifinal without I think as I remember beating anybody noteworthy on route to that semifinal. Yeah, he got a walkover uh, from Batista Gu, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, he's just he's just gotten a bit of luck. Right. And he had, he's the, a solid player, and he and he did make a French Open quarterfinal. Yeah. Um, he had a real good win over Raonic at the French Open. Yeah, that was really that was good. A great match. Yeah. I mean, that was granted, a, granted, he probably should beat Raonic on clay, yeah. but it was a, was a really good win, especially yeah. considering he deep had in never, five sets. He had right? never been to yeah deep yeah like eight, yeah. nine seven or eight six in the fifth. Yeah. So okay, that's that category. Uh, all worthy winners. I don't know who's going to win. I imagine Sasha's variable win, yeah. just because people tend to vote for the highest ranked player in these situations, yeah. uh, or the biggest star. 
um, which leads me to the next two categories, both of which feature someone in the ballot who I'm just annoyed by his presence. Comeback player of the year, let's start with, which is defined as the player who has overcome injury slash illness in reestablishing himself as one of the top players on the ATP circuit. And the nominees are Kevin Anderson, uh, Philip Krajinovic, Cedric Marcel Stebe, Janko Tipsarovic, and Roger Federer. Wow. Who would you vote for in this category? I would vote for uh, actually Stebe, number one. He's because he was he was gone. Stebe was completely gone. And then I vote for Anderson, number two. Um, oh. That'd be me. What was Anderson ranked before this year? Anderson, beginning of the year, was 67. It's up to 16. I mean, I would, rankings. I would. I would go with Anderson. Anderson's a great pick. I would go with Anderson yeah. for sure. I mean, kind of. I don't love like any of these choices. It's not a strong category at um, all. No. But Compared like, to the WTA Comeback Player of the Year, which had both Kvitova and Stevens, which were both unreal candidates. Right. I mean, Tipsarovich, he didn't do enough. No. Krajinovich, he didn't get high enough, I think. Yeah, he's only went from 237 to 95. Which, again, it's good. It's really good. He's not getting you the award. Yeah. No. Stebe... He, I mean, he's he's climbed all because of challengers, I assume. Right. I haven't he's seen had a couple, him. I think he's had, oh, maybe one or two 250 events he's done okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. But he went 463 to 76. That's that's, wow. a, that's a hike. And he was like, and he was really gone for a couple of years. I think he had no, I want to say, I might be getting this wrong, but I think he had no protected ranking that he was working with. Um, so that's impressive to me. And Federer, <laughs> I just don't feel, Federer, I think, is going to win this war because he's Federer. People can't not vote for Federer. I would like to see Anderson win this award if, of possible candidates. But Federer, like, I just don't think that Federer really overcame anything that remarkable. Right. He had a nagging knee issue that caused him to sort of preemptively shut down his season last year. But he could have come back and played in, like, Basel and London. I don't think he, he wasn't, wasn't going to qualify for London probably. But he was, like, training kind of full bore by early October last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And it was sort of a bit of a choice to maximize. And it was a gamble that totally paid off. I mean, his reward for coming back is getting the Australian Open and the uh, Wimbledon and and possibly being number one this year. Um, I just don't feel like when I think of comeback, I want somebody who really has like a sort of, you know, uh, NBC Olympics worthy, you know, sob story montage about right. the hard days coming back from injury and how much they worked. And I just don't think Federer has that. I mean, level. I don't know if anyone in this category does. But. I mean, Anderson had a legit injury. Yeah, I, I mean, Mark Shebe and Tiff Sarovich both, and I actually don't know off the top of my head what Krajinovic's situation was with injury. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm expecting it to go to Federer, and I'm expecting to roll my I eyes. Think, I actually think Anderson might might win it. Someone will actually which, beat Federer in a vote yeah. for these awards for the first time ever. Well, we already know that Federer is going to beat Anderson in a different category. Okay, let's get to so, that. Let's so get to that. Final Anderson category. will beat him in this. Let's one. get to the final category, which is the most annoying category on the ballot the every year. It's the, the Stefan Edberg Sportsmanship Award, which is awarded in their words to the player who, throughout the year, conducted himself at the highest level of professionalism and integrity, who competed with his fellow players with the utmost spirit of fairness and promoted the game through his off-court activities. And Roger Federer has won this award pretty much every single year he's been on tour. Uh, I think maybe one year he wasn't nominated because he missed a lot of the year, I want to say. But otherwise, he's won it constantly. Ricky, you're shaking your head. Why does this annoy you? And you can speak for me also. Why does this annoy us so much? I mean, like you said, he he wins it every year regardless. Yeah. So, like, no matter what he does, he's going to win it. You know, even the year he destroyed a racket in Miami, which isn't a big deal, but obviously he still won it last that year. Um you know, he's foolproof. He can he can do whatever and still get it. So. It just becomes a popularity contest, and I think so many people right. give Federer. And again, Federer Federer is not 
I would never call him an unsportsmanlike player per se, but he is neither the complete perfect epitome of all things sportsmanlike constantly. Right. I mean, he's constantly taking shots at other players in press and stuff and like kind of like ripping people and in just ways that are sort of like bitchy more than anything. And which is which I enjoy <laughs> to be very clear, but are not yeah. particularly sportsmanlike all the time. Yeah, uh, he yeah he's yeah I mean he's like on the guys on that list he's oh, not like I, he's, he's not like the most gracious loser. And, no, definitely not a gracious so, loser. Like, a lot of time, know, like when he loses, he's not exactly jovial, impressed. I mean, no one is, but you know, Fed definitely isn't. No, uh, so the list I didn't read the list is Marin is sorry is Kevin Anderson, Marin Cilic, Juan Martin Del Potro, David Goffin. David Ferrer, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, who doesn't usually get nominated for this award, and Diego Schwartzman. Um, the one year that I really thought they had a chance to make a statement and make it like so it was something that meant something was the year that of uh, 2015 when Tim Smichek was on the ballot right. after yeah. he had his sportsmanship gesture of, of you know allowing Nadal to replay a point or mm-hmm. replay a first serve at uh, 6-5 in the fifth set of a Grand Slam match in Australia. Yeah. Um, and that was something that was like this sort of exemplary semi, it didn't go totally viral, but like a good standout moment for the sport yeah. that would be like, wow, we're actually recognized this moment and you've always had a solid career of being a solid workman-like guy and always respecting everybody and everybody respects you and you're you're doing it. And instead, and he didn't win it. I don't know if he came close to winning it. They never revealed the vote totals. Yeah. Um, but it just went to Federer again. And Federer, I think Federer gets credit for playing with like this like grace and elegance and his just aesthetically pleasing game style right which has nothing that, to do with sportsmanship, which has nothing to do with sportsmanship <laughs> per se right and he yeah. and the part of it that's like good at promoting the game through off-court activities yes Federer is yeah, the most popular player and does put butts in the seats so yeah. but that i still think that's i don't agree with that necessarily being part of the sportsmanship criteria right i think someone like kevin anderson and marin Cilic are both really good examples i think very similar examples both guys were big guys quiet pretty soft relatively soft-spoken guys not making a lot of waves on tour but who just I've never once seen either of them in like any sort of like on court drama no. in their in their, in their long careers. Right. I can't remember either of them having any moment of something where they did something questionable or where they were like in an argument with a chair empire or something happened that was dodgy, whether it was their fault or not. They just kind of like drama, uh, like magnetically like repels away from them. Like they're just like the opposite of that. Right, yeah. You know, the attract. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, they. They just are, and so, but those guys do it in this, and they've both been on the ballot, I think, a bunch of times before for this award. Mm-hmm. Um, Goffin, same way. I think Goffin is pretty good at that kind of thing. Del Potro also is a very popular guy, very genteel guy, would be a good winner, is a little bit sometimes uh, whinier, maybe a little bit, but not too bad. Nadal, I would not give this award to, I, because he does things about, you know, complaining about specific chair empires a lot, complaining about time violations a lot, and just sort of feels more at odds with the rules in a way that I think is not is more in the face of what I would consider sportsmanship and like saying he doesn't want Bernard as doing his matches and things like that. I have a problem with that on the sportsmanship front. Yeah. Uh, and the Schwartzman's another good example. He's newer, he's younger guy, but he's another guy like the other guys. who's just unremarkably very nice. And he's like more than maybe more than Anderson and Chilich and Goffin and Ferrer is also in this category. He's like more of like an outgoing, like really popular kind of like bubbly guy in the room. So I wouldn't, I mean, he might win it among other players if they voted, but I also think only other players should vote. I don't think media should vote for this. Even Interesting. Like get a vote. Chilich and Schwartzman almost, they're both on the list. They almost had a run-in with each other at the U.S. Open. Oh, yeah? If you're watching. In their match. I remember that. I watched that match. What happened with that? Yeah, it was in the fifth set and, uh, or no, it was in the fourth set. Oh, it like, like pumped up the crowd or something, right? Yeah, well, Chilich, it was like a good point, but it like ended on like a bad, unforced error by Chilich. Oh, yeah. And Schwartzman was like getting the crowd up. 
And so, and Chilich was mad, so he, like, gave Schwartzman, like, the, you know, the sarcastic thumbs up and clapping because Schwartzman was celebrating. Yeah, that's fair. And so, and then... And then the match ended soon after that. You know that was. Like I remember. A really I remember that now. Point yeah, and the Argentine like the crowd set. and everything at the US Open yeah. is always. And they like they talked it out at the net. I mean, yeah, and they were fine. Um, and then touching back on your Smechek point, um, I think it was last year when Team had like multiple instances of conceding points. He to did people. it again this year in Washington. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it does it all the time. But I think in 2016 he had like three like examples. And at, Djokovic, like, at, like, did, Djokovic has done that at Wimbledon and right. stuff like that, and he's. I don't know if Djokovic has ever gotten in this ballot. At least not, not not frequently. No. And I think Team was on the ballot last year, but okay. obviously didn't win. Yeah, it just I don't know. And it, and those sort of viral moments can get overvalued. Like certainly like that Jack Sock when a Hopman Cup was really oh stupid. My God. <laughs> that was an exhibition. It's oh just completely my, meaningless. That was the worst. And what made this meet check one meaningful was the stakes of the moment. Right. Yeah, the five all in the uh, yeah. six six five in the fifth. But anyway, uh that is that i expect Federer to win two of these awards we talked about i think the and the thing is Sasha. like even even if i were Federer, like i'd kind of like if want i was better winning because it doesn't mean anything if i remember like, cor- if i remember correctly if i remember correctly candace bergen played murphy brown pulled out of emmy contention after a while and was like i she won it like i don't know three four times in a row it was like stop nominating me like, yeah i'm sick of winning like this at award. some point it has to stop meaning right that and at some point it's unsportsmanlike to keep hogging this award <laughs> right so if you want to be a yeah. sportsman pull out of the category yeah. and just and just acknowledge that it would mean a lot he should have given it and two- it would mean a lot to somebody like a uh like a like a anderson or a chillis to get that recognition yeah. once in their career fed should give it Fed should give it should have given his 2016 award to team, and then yeah. maybe that would have made him deserving of winning it again. Because team probably would have given it to somebody else. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's one of those things that, yeah, <laughs> exactly. if you're... Just pass it on. You can't win an award saying most humble yeah. and, and be happy about it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the awards, and they will come out. I think they get announced during the World Tour Finals, so yeah. we will stay tuned for that. So one of the great delights of having Ricky here is that we talk about tennis a fair amount, a lot, and just sort of nerd out over things. And... One category of those things we got into today was before and afters of coming up with sort of, uh, if you don't know before and after, it's something where last word of the first answer is the same as the first word of the second part of the answer. So we were going through and trying to find tennis player names pretty much that correspond to this and going through a lot And as we were walking around D.C. So these are, we're just going to do this sort of a bit of trivia thing for you guys at the end of this episode. We came up with 24. And do, remember, read the first half of them out loud on here and then all of them on Facebook. And if you want to put your answers there and guess how many of you can know, some are easy, some are hard, and uh, we'll see how you do. And uh, here are the first 12. This is sort of in lieu of our rant rave this week. It's our show ender. So here we go. Here are an example. Here's an example. One of this is like uh, for tennis names, this 2017 French Open doubles champion also has qualified for the year-end championships when it's been held in New York, Los Angeles, Doha, and Singapore. So that would be Michael Venus Williams, because Michael Venus won the French Open in doubles, and Venus Williams did all those things qualifying for year-end champs. So here we go. Here are your, 24, here are your first 12 of your 24 questions. Number one, this Korean-American reached a career high of number 63 in 2005, a feat bettered by her Hall of Fame induction in 2017. Number two, this Austrian qualified for the 2017 Vienna ATP tournament, but shut down his season in July after elbow issues. Number three, this doubles great won her NCAA titles with the Florida Gators, but resigned from his position as tournament director in March 2016. Number four, this 2015 French Open junior champion coached Sloane Stevens in 2014. Number five, 
he reached the Memphis final as a teen and is a journeyman South African who won the 2011 Ramuski Challenger. Number six, this Asian woman played in the Australian Open match which preceded the famous Hewis Baghdadis all-nighter and is the second highest ranked ATP player from this European country of 4 million. Number seven, this big serving French doubles specialist was Nikolai Davidenko's opponent in an infamous match in Sopot. Number eight, this woman threatened to sue the French Open and reached two bronze medal matches at the 2012 London Olympics. Number nine, this tennis channel commentator named Ricky Diamond as her favorite Twitter account on air, smart lady, mm -hmm. and played his former roommate, Kenny Shikori, in the second round of the 2016 Australian Open. Number 10, this first husband of Chris Everett is the current boyfriend of Heather Watson. To be clear, that's not one person. That's two people. <laughs> yeah. Number 11, this Pennsylvania teen was a runner-up in the 2017 Junior Wimbledon Girls event and retired from pro tennis having played her last tournament at Wimbledon 2014. And last one on here, number 12, this player got into a Twitter beef with Nick Kyrgios during the 2017 Miami Open and is the older brother of the ATP number 455 currently. So those are the first 12 of the 24 questions. The other 12 will be on the Facebook page, including the last three, which are triples, which will have three player names all smushed in there before, after, before, after, before, after. Three names, four words total, each one. You will enjoy it. It's for fun to do, hopefully. Oh, yeah. there, there's they're, some hard, some hard ones. Very t very, I was, and there's some harder ones in there as they go along. I, I tried to put you know, a few easier ones on the uh, on the show. I was not good at them for the most part. <laughs> and I generally like to think that I know a fair amount well, of tennis. It was, it was like, funny because one that you came up with, I guessed very oh, confidently yeah. a completely different correct answer, which I hadn't thought of earlier, which we ended up using in here. <laughs> yeah. um, and yours was much harder. I actually didn't put in that one. Yeah, I thought yours hard. was... Yours yeah, was you can say what yours was. Mine was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the answers were James Blake and then Blake Strode. So James Blake Strode, and it was yeah. what what uh, what former player turned commentator either won or at least played in the now defunct U.S. Open Wild Card Challenge. Yeah, that tournament uh, to get a a wild card into qualifying. Yeah, I think so that's you, the only thing that Blake. So you can tell. I've ever seen Blake you, Strode's you can name you can tell. So. Yeah, so Blake Strode, I thought was a little too tough. Most, tough but yeah. most of these. Uh, or still, some of them are pretty tough, and some of them are older. And you'll see, and uh, you hopefully learn some stuff if nothing else, and uh, yeah, enjoy. Because like, I think like I think tennis yeah. trivia is kind of an anemic world. Hopefully, we can strengthen, if only briefly, this once. Uh, so thank you very much, guys, for listening. If you want to follow along with NCR when you're not listening, you can do so by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com/ncrpodcast. We're on Twitter at ncr underscore tennis. You should also follow Ricky Diamond on Twitter, who's at Diamondator on there. So it's emails, no challenge remaining at gmail.com. Follow us along, subscribe to us on iTunes or any other podcasting service of your choice. And we will uh, see you guys next time. Do you have a, any like marathon theme song do you want to play us out with? Ooh, uh, Chariots of Fire theme song. Oh, that's good. That's a good running song. Yeah. Bye, guys. That's like reminds me of the London. There's a lot of London Olympics questions in here, too. Yeah, there are. I remember yeah. London Olympics when they play that song at every medal ceremony. Yeah. I like made up my own lyrics to that song because I got heard it so much. It was like, it started off, you don't have the beginning. It was like, it was like, you want a bronze medal. <laughs> yeah, you're number three. <laughs> you want, it's, I forget the, the, the lyrics, but they were, they were, they were. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty pleasing. Uh, so there you go. So that is that. Hope your chariot is not on fire. I will see you guys later. Thanks for having me. See you in London. <laughs> <laughs>